0: What a beautiful time we've had. Yeah, We talked football, mm-hmm. we talked feelings, mm-hmm. we talked cocks. Mm-hmm. This is Treble Bell Curve. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we are previewing what should be just a rip-roaring good time, the SEC opener against the South Carolina Gamecocks. You know them. You have feelings about them. Let's talk about them today. And then, you know, forget all those feelings and talk about numbers for a little bit. If this is your first time joining us, of course, thank you for being here. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, yeah, this is a show about stats sometimes, football stats and the University of Georgia, but also about our enthusiasm. And Nathan, I want to ask you what better way to (laughs) welcome all these new guests, I guess, is not my intention at all, but... What better way to get our minds right for the SEC opener against South Carolina than by a PowerPoint on this audio medium? What do you say?
1: (laughs) That sounds great. Before you do what I'm sure is going to be one of the both funniest and most embarrassing things in the history of this podcast, let me go ahead and just plug Mm -hmm. that if, if you somehow make it through the next five minutes of this podcast, we think that you're the kind of person who would enjoy going to our Patreon. And signing up to do a little bit of support for our show. As little as one dollar gets you access yeah. to our amazing Discord community of people who are, we would think we, we like to think uh interested in UGA and college football writ large in a similar way to the way that you are. So right for now, sure. what you're about to hear, I'm not sure what it is, it is going to be the litmus test for ready or not, whether or not you're ready to go on to our Patreon. So
0: uh we'll make sure that this is available for everybody on patreon it's not a whole lot it's actually if you're on our patreon um you get access to our discord you also get access to our show notes which our show notes uh because of nathan are an absolute work of art uh but the show notes also has a direct link to the beautiful presentation that i've created for my friend nathan uh it is entitled famous cox and i thought it would be a great way for us to get in you know the mindset right of- yeah this sec opener get into you know Mm -hmm. football mode Mm -hmm. as we did in the past with with other you know similar uh moments in chapel bell curve history so this this presentation is called famous cox a chapel bell curve production where in which i will share some of the most famous cox in history for you nathan Mm -hmm. just to make sure that you are ready to talk about them here we are all right i'm ready first one chanticleer you know chanticleer from rockadoodle i mean look at him what makes this character great nathan he's a great singer he loves his friends and family. He puts on a captivating performance. And also, have you seen him? Yeah, he's kind of... What What sort of <laughs> feelings are inspired by looking at Chanticleer?
1: He is in that... Chanticleer is in that classic 1980s cartoon thing. Well, no, this is probably... Is this 80s, 90s? He, it was like 80s or 90s, yeah. Yeah, he has the classic cartoon thing of, is this cartoon character too attractive? Right?
0: Oh, yeah. Smash or pass.
1: Yeah, for real. And, and it's unsettling.
0: I think, yeah, I think it, I'll speak for us both when we say Chanticleer is a smash here on Chapel Bell Curve. Mm-hmm. All right, next cock. Robot Chicken. We all know Robot Chicken. What is it from? It's from Robot Chicken. What makes his character great? He's a television expert, fights for his love. He's a survivor. What sort of feelings and emotions inspire within you, Nathan, when you, when you gaze upon Robot Chicken?
1: Robot Chicken, fight, when you said he fights for his love and he's a survivor, it makes me think that he is like a Beyonce enthusiast. He's a survivor. That's correct. (laughs) He's not going to give up.
0: Specifically, yes. All right, next cock. Cornelius the Rooster. You know Cornelius from Kellogg's Cereal. What makes his character great, Nathan? He encourages a healthy start to the day. He loves breakfast, and he has a powerful crow. Have you heard his crow from the commercials? Yes, I have.
1: What I like (laughs) about this supposition is that... Anyone uh under the age of say fifty would be like, yeah, Cornelius the Rooster, that well-known character from Kalog Serial.
0: Well, you know, we we've been uh roasted before for you know not thinking about all of our listeners. That's so true. really, really just trying to at the very top, trying to get them all in Yeah. In the, we we, appeal, you know, we try top. to appeal
1: to all ages. Yeah.
0: All right, next cock. Chicken boo. Chicken boo's from Animaniacs. You know Chicken Boo because he's great at disguises, he has many talents. He's not a man. He's a chicken boo. These are some, these are some deep cuts. I'm realizing now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar really with Chicken Boo? I am. Yeah, I've watched Animaniacs. Chicken Boo is. God, I love Chicken Boo. So far, Chicken Boo is the most cuddly of all of the content mm-hmm. you presented to us. The one I would be most want to cuddle up with. I will also say that Chicken Boo looks very similar to the animated pigeons from mm-hmm. Animaniacs, like very similar face shape.
0: Yes, the Mafia Pigeons? Absolutely. I'm a big fan of Chicken Boo. Um, You know, he's not a man, he's a Chicken Boo. Look it up. Check out the YouTube song. You'll absolutely love it. This cock inspires a lot of nostalgia for me. All right, next cock. Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh my God. You know, Hootie and all of his famous blowfish. What makes this character great, Nathan? Harmonicas, I'm pretty sure, I think. Nostalgia factor. And also, they only want to be with you. What sort of emotions and feelings does Hootie and his famous blowfish inspire within you?
1: All right, can I tell you a story from... My school. Yes. Commerce. Absolutely. So here's the thing. The. For reasons that I don't understand. Students favorite activity is to say. Teacher name. You really look like this person. And usually I get. Pretty typical. Tall white guy with brown hair. Like I get Jason mm-hmm. Siegel. Relatively. Frequently. I get. I've gotten sure. Will feral. Do I look like these people? No, but it's okay because I at least get it. For some reason, last year I had an honors class and I don't know what possessed them to say this. I had a class and I don't know what possessed them to say this, but they they said that I looked like Darius Rucker. Now, huh? even if you get past the fact that I am a white man and Darius Rucker is a black man, we don't really look mm-hmm. anything like each other. If we if we sort of strip the the our our melanin content out of it and just look at the face shape. Sure. Very different shape face shape. There's not a whole lot going on yeah. that looks similar at all. So now they brought me a Darius Rucker they brought a birthday card for Darius Rucker. So I know <laughs> Darius Rucker's birthday is May thirteenth because they had like a fifty fifth birthday party for me last year on Darius Rucker's birthday. They like brought cakes and a balloon and stuff. And they were like, happy 55th, Darius. So I guess this is the one that grosses me out the least by far. And just for the record, I want to roll back. The problem was not that there was a penis on my screen. I am You want to go back to Rasputin's? No, 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 no. I don't want to go back to it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're good. No, 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 no. I don't want to go back to it. But just to We'll say just one last one last thing to say about it is that my objection to it is not that it is a man's genitalia. I am not so fragile in my masculinity that I can't see that. It's that it had been cut off and pickled. That's the problem with it. Yeah,
0: it was pretty it was pretty jarring. It's pretty gnarly. It was in a jar after it's all. gnarly.
1: If it had been like hanging on 20-year-old Rasputin, I would have just been like, "How did you get such a high-quality photo?" <clears throat> I wouldn't have been disgusted by it, you know. <laughs> Um, the last thing I'll say about Hootie
0: and the Blowfish is that they are actually South Carolina graduates. So I did, I knew that. Yeah, just to tie it all back together.
1: Uh, Darius yeah. has been a guest picker on Game Day, I believe. Also, his middle oh, name is Carlos, good for which him. is pretty cool.
0: That is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, next cock. Actually, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I really wish it had just been a picture of us. <laughs> so yeah, how's your mind? Is it right? My mind. Are you is... ready to talk about? My mind is so The showdown? Right. Yeah, it's, it's so right. Yeah, so if you could not so guess, right. I don't think we actually said it before we started. We are here to preview the USC versus UGA game. I guess calling them USC is probably giving them too much credit. We are here to preview the South Carolina mm-hmm. versus UGA game. You know, we got our requisite number of penis jokes out of the way front of the episode. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really, I feel like my head is correct. Because I don't know if you've seen this, but I have sort of, Constructed a kind of verbal rant about South Carolina that I'm I've already sort of pre-lubed up the entryway into this rant, you know, like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm I've it's like a slip and slide that I've already put soap all over, and the moment my foot Mm -hmm. hits it, I'm going to cartwheel down it in a very painful manner. So, but before we get to that, we are in the qualitative (laughs) preview, which I know this is going to shock you. involves us talking about. Non-number things, we'll say. Yeah. We'll we'll be generous and say things that don't have anything to do with numbers. Things that have to do with storylines coming into the game. And generally just what we think about the game and the sort of players on the board, where they are. So, to start out, usually we don't have any kind of deeply emotionally scarring presentation. But instead have... (laughs) Are look at the Winsipedia. So do you want to run us through the history of this rivalry?
0: I would love to.
1: Yes. So Winsipedia is a great little
0: website. You can put two games or two teams head to head, and you can look at their history against one another, just to kind of understand sort of the flavor going into a game. And so in the history of this matchup, these teams have been playing since the year 1894, when Georgia in Columbia, South Carolina Led by Robert Bobby Winston, beat a coachless (laughs) South Carolina forty to zero. Uh, Outstanding, just beat them all. They're down. Mm. And since then, Georgia has gone on to win fifty three games to South Carolina's nineteen, and there have been two ties. The largest margin of victory was the forty to zero in eighteen ninety four. So maybe we can come back from that and make it a little bit bigger. Uh, The longest win streak was ten for Georgia from nineteen oh eight to nineteen forty one. And since then, looking at all of the other statistics as far as, like, all-time record, Natty's conference championships, bowl games, wins all-time, bowl record, consensus All-Americans, Heismans, NFL draft picks, first-round draft picks, weeks in the N- AP poll, and weeks at AP number one, Georgia is beating them on every single metric. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty lopsided metric, uh, or a lopsided matchup as far as, like, Dynasty is concerned. I know you have definitely, you know, we've, we've spoken in previous years about... The Spurrier years, um, Hayden S. Spurrier, and the things he did to Georgia, and I know that yep. you were a student through some of those, I believe, but those days seem to be gone for the most part. But yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at. How do? What do you think?
1: I think it is interesting if you just look at the line graph of who won this. That I, it's very interesting to me that in a such a dominant rivalry. That this is, you know, like UJ has won 53 times to Carolina's 19. Mm -hmm. And it's such a dominant rivalry that the longest win streak by the dominant party is 10. Right. The longest win streak by South Carolina is three, which is itself, you know, pretty remarkable because that came in that, like you said, Spurrier run from 2010 to 2012. But I think it's Mm -hmm. really interesting that this seems to me, I mean, and this is probably just my personal experience bias, but. This South Carolina has always struck me as a team that seems like it should win less (laughs) against us than it does. Like those 19 wins that they have against us. It's it just seems like all of them have snuck up on me, which I think is generally Mm -hmm. the zeitgeist of UGA going into this game every year is that we can win to some dumb South Carolina team that's going to go to the Outback Bowl or lose to them. Hell, we can lose to uh, a South Carolina team that's going to go to the Belk Bowl or whatever it's called now. Right, this team, these the wins are not clumped really around any one period, other than those Spurrier wins, because this team will just mm. randomly beat UGA sometimes, and it doesn't have to make sense. It just will happen, and it's always a noon game, and a lot of times it's at the it's at williams price Stadium. So even though my head tells me that we should probably win this game pretty easily, I if you just look at that one bar graph. It's a pretty clear, I don't know, explanation of why I think every UGA fan is sort of nervous about this game every year.
0: I know that. So you've been to williams Bryce Stadium many times, mm-hmm. and you've been part of this game in some way many times at mm-hmm. this point. Could you kind of uh, paint a beautiful picture of what it what it is like to be, I guess, privy to the experience that is... <laughs> georgia versus south carolina with with sort of the notes you have sort of sitting here so kinda, yeah i have where been, do you want to start
1: i have been several times i even went to the game a few years ago that was delayed by weather i think that might have been like 2016 17 it was one of the first kirby years that uh we it probably it would have had to have been 16 yeah it's either 16 or 18 that was that was a game that was played on sunday instead of saturday because of weather delays so I've been I've been in this several times. Uh, how to how to describe the experience? Okay. So I will say before I start yelling, Williams Bryce, since I first <laughs> went to it, which the Williams Bryce Stadium is South Carolina Stadium. When I first went to Williams Bryce, mm-hmm. it was sort of felt like it was in a destitute fairground. The 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 area outside of Williams Bryce had a real like insane clown posse concert vibe for a long time. It was just a lot of, like, skunky body odor and just sort of barely reclaimed industrial wasteland, you know. And to their credit, South Carolina has turned the area around their stadium, as of the last time that I went to it, into, like, a very nice little athletics complex. Like, they have some actual really interesting things there. They have sort of a separate football practice field right next door. And now they have this – what I think is really interesting, like, these historical – train cars that they've turned into uh, places that you can rent to tailgate in that are really cool. And you can like rent on top of the bottom of them and of them. But of course, as with everything with South Carolina, there is a weird name. So of course these are called the cock caboose. So if you just look up, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. If you just look up South Carolina cock caboose, you can get a look at these train cars that you are very expensive to rent out, uh, for, no, you actually have to buy them. Yeah. They're they're like people own them and, they, and they're and they right outside of the stadium. And no, I'm sorry. They're called cockabooses. Cockaboose. Yep. Okay. Yeah. $175,000. They're very nice. It's a very cool deal. It's like this long train yeah. of old okay. railroad cars. Yeah. It's really cool. Right. But then on the other hand, they're also called cockaboose. Like there's always something. Yeah, it's called a cockaboose. There's always something weird about everything with South Carolina. And sometimes they're weird in ways that I'm like, oh, that's cool. But sometimes, but but sometimes they're weird in ways that I'm like, huh? Like for instance, <laughs> their are in stadium, sort of rich people bar in their stadium or whatever. It's called the Cockaboose Club. So I I I just huh. that that to me kind of sums up the cultural experience of going to South Carolina is that it's actually kind of cool. But it's always punctuated with things where you're just like, okay.
0: Huh. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird flex. Weird flex, but okay. You know,
1: you're there and there's all these palmetto palms and and that's a really cool thing because that's like the state tree of South Carolina and and it's mm-hmm. it's actually really beautiful. Like there are parts of the stadium now that are really pretty outside and it has a really interesting like the black and garnet aesthetic, the way they've kind of like worked it in. I mean, I, I am actually genuinely un un- sarcastically complimentary of what they've done to the outside of that stadium. Cause it used to be awful and it's gotten so much better since I, the last two or three times that I've been there. Now, having said that, I genuinely believe that Williams Bryce stadium is the buried entrance to Satan's actual physical anus. It is the most, <laughs> <laughs> the most cl- climatically inhospitable place I've ever been. I've been to, I don't know, six or seven UGA versus South Carolina games at South Carolina. And pretty much every time it has been hot and you're not imagining it being hot enough. Just imagine like July or sorry, imagine early September, Georgia hot, where we've had like a week of false fall. And then the hot came back to remind us that, you know, all life is fleeting or whatever. Imagine that level of hot. Now, imagine that you're just so uncomfortably damp. You're just so wet. You're yeah. so wet that you're like sweaty enough that you're like, oh, this would be like sexy club sweaty or whatever. But it's not like that because it's so, so hot. Like, I, I I'm I'm assuring you that if you're imagining the unpleasantness of being in Williams Bryce at 12 on a kickoff, you are not imagining enough. I don't I don't understand how a place that is not it's basically latitudinally equal with Athens can can feel like it was dredged up from some sort of primordial crustacean era or crustacean, Jesus Christ, primordial like Mesozoic <laughs> era swamp. Like it it, it the climate in Williams Bryce is as if the first lungfish had just walked onto land and had been like, oh wow, I can breathe oxygen now. Like breathing in the air there is like it's like sucking really cold milkshake through a straw inside of a sauna. It's it's awful. Mm. It's 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 so uncomfortable. Also, it kind of looks like a dead roach on its back, which that makes a little me bit. happy. And and that was okay. so
0: evocative though.
1: I I'm glad I'm glad that I can help. But so okay. So first of all, <laughs> if you've never been to a game. They play Sandstorm a lot, which is fine, whatever. Everybody has that in-game and in-stadium hype-up cheer, but they play it a lot, a lot. They play it like a lot, a lot, a lot, but that's okay. But then also, they have this rooster noise, and I um I linked to it. I think it's the one that – no, that's it. One of these is – there's you can hear the rooster noise in it. They have this rooster noise, and they just play this rooster noise at max volume over a very good sound system – At times that are unrelated other than anything, like I think literally they have a rooster in the booth who just occasionally hits this button. They play it on like big plays, but then they also just play it sometimes to make a loud rooster noise. And it's so like deeply unsettling because it's, it's like they play it so loud that the speakers like distort the sound so it's got this like weird metallic <laughs> edge to it and you just keep hearing it over and over again and you just live in like weird suspended tension about this stupid rooster noise and then they play I'll, you know what? USC's band, pretty good. They've gotten a lot better recently. And they play 2001 A Space Odyssey, the Also Sprock to Zarathustra thing. And it's a really good entrance, right? And, and it's a very good, their pregame show is very good. And they play Also very Zarathustra and they have this like big, like, you know, go big, like voiceover thing that happens and they're playing about, ba-na-na, and then the moment of reveal <laughs> is that they have this little cart that they push out onto the, the field and then they pull up like one of those quick change silks at the beginning, at the end of 2001 and they pull it down <laughs> and then it's a fucking chicken just standing there and then everyone's like, Aah! and it's not even like a cool rooster. It's just a chicken, like a guy in a chicken costume, right? And it's not even like like an aggressive, like, yeah, this chicken could mess you up. If you look up South Carolina, like the mascot that they have, in the suit, the guy suit. I think he's called. I forget what he's what, it, what he's called. Because I know they they renamed their actual the mascot's mascot. called Cocky. Yeah, he's called Cocky, and he has a of big. Of course, it is. He has a big beak, but the beak isn't animatronic. So whenever he wants to act aggressive, he has to like flap the beak together with his hands. Oh and my so god! So it's like it is actually a little bit intimidating, but it's like unintentionally intimidating, where it's like. Like, it's like if you walked into a room and you had all these, like, third graders, like, chanting something as the drums rang and they painted themselves, you would be intimidated by that <laughs> because you wouldn't understand. You would have no way to know how we got to this moment, right? And it's the same thing. Like, the, it's cock- the uncertainty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cocky comes out of this, like, you know, like $5 magician box as though he just like got on ChrisAngelMindFreak.com and just bought his, like, baby's first magician kit. And he pops out and everyone, <laughs> and everyone just freaks out as though he's just like, levitated into the air and they're like oh my god it's a dude in a rooster suit with a big floppy yellow beak and his name is cocky and like every time i'm like am i having a disassociative episode like every time like this is the (laughs) this is the i i on the one hand i love it because this is a good example of why college football is better than the nfl because it, like yes, you could trace all of this back to its etymological and sociological and cultural origins, but it's way more fun just to watch it happen and be like, "What? How did we get here? What's guys? happening? What is going on?" And then, and then into this sort of like beautiful, beautiful mess on set, we have the just injection of <laughs> I don't know a late '90s like techno banger like cuz that when you think about South Carolina the three things you think of are peaches penis jokes and you know day rude the the seminal uh, <laughs> proto techno band from germany from the 1990s like for sure and then it's like yeah you, know, you know it's 2001 space Army, and then there's cocky and it's like and then like 50,000 future racist bankers just go crazy and they all have these white towels like <laughs> And it's like yeah 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 yeah. You know, and, and it's just like I don't it's it's amazing and wonderful on the one hand because no future anthropologist will ever understand it, right? But on the other hand, it is it is worrying and bizarre in a way that is hard to talk about. Anyway, that that's what it's like. <laughs> Not all South Carolina <laughs> graduates are racist bankers. I want I want to walk that back, bro, 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 ma. Our 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 beautiful Brody boy is is a South Carolina grad, and he's oh he's, boy, he's he is our favorite boy. So and he <sighs> is I want to go on record as saying not a racist banker. He's neither one of those things. I don't know where I got that. I I, I don't wow. I don't know what stereotype to associate well, with South Carolina graduates. I don't know international. business. I think the
0: Carolinas are just generally. Financial institutions. That's like yeah, maybe where all of the banks are. I
1: was probably thinking about Duke, honestly. What a time! Do you want to talk about football? Yeah, man. I just (laughs) I don't know what just happened. (laughs) Oh man, I like talked myself into coughing. (laughs) Anyway, football stuff. I know.
0: Yeah, football stuff. So we got some notes here about you know what what are the. What are the bright spots of this South Carolina team? Basically, you know, in the last few years, we've talked about South Carolina as probably being one of the teams we would have to worry about in the next few years and not in the way that we've worried about them in previous years. More of like a it seems like they're picking up some steam and some momentum. At the start of this year, Spencer Rattler was kind of the the, the person that we were like, well here it is. It's finally happening. And so do you want to kind of read and talk about Spencer Rattler and what has actually transpired over the last few games with him?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I would say writ large, just in a larger sense for the Shane Beamer era, you know, he came in Mm -hmm. last year in 2021 and he went seven and six, he went six and six. He, I mean, he really improved a team that went, uh, I think two and eight in the, in the in season during the COVID year which is rough. So I think Shane Beamer is a good hire. He, you know, he, is he a little bit of a nepotism baby? Sure. But Hey, you know what? He's doing good with it. He seems to be a guy who is definitely in the sort of coach as CEO model. And he seems like he can do the job. I mean, he's, he's done admirably well. There is a sense in which I think Steve Spurrier warps what we think about South Carolina because he's such a good coach. And, The Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is that like, you know, South Carolina is not a team that should be going to big bulls every year, right? Necessarily. I mean, they are at a, they're at a resource and talent development disadvantage and because of where they are and the history of the program and how much money they have, they're going to kind of always probably be that. But Steve Spurrier and I think Shane Beamer to some extent have proven that. That's not the limit of what this team can be. I, I have a hard time hating South Carolina outside of the contents of Steve, Steve Spurrier. And honestly, yeah, beating Steve Spurrier so bad that he quit in 2015 was just like, like, like. And <laughs> I don't. I can't think of anything else that happened in the 2015 season that was better. Than beating Steve Spurrier so bad that he quit. I believe the final score of that game was like forty five to something. I mean, it was it was a, a drubbing. It was fifty two to twenty, and you could just see Ooh. that man deflating on the sideline. And honestly, like now that I have some time that I, you know, the time has passed and I don't and I don't have to just hate him every year. I don't even really care too much about Steve Spurrier. Like I kind of just feel like, I, I mean, where would we rank? south carolina as a rival to uga i mean it's got to be it's, eh. it's pretty low right i mean it's pretty low in the list of rivals I mean, uh, yeah it depends on the year i feel yeah and i, and I
0: don't i mean, wouldn't call them a rival as much as like uh, it's sort of like the kid down the road that we're like we don't hang out with him because we're he does some weird stuff and yeah he's unpredictable. We, we run
1: in different circles he's kind of chaotic but like i i don't have it, it's hard for me to pull the enmity up for this game as much i mean Obviously, I did just yell about it for like five minutes, but that's about the experience <laughs> of going to the game. But it's not like when I see a South yeah. Carolina fan in the street, I'm like, ah, f you ah. And I have all these weird, bad memories about it, you know, whatever. But so that's sort of where South Carolina is program wise. In terms of Spencer Rattler, I think there is sort of this allure to Spencer Rattler, right? He is a guy who has literally every NFL throw. He has every NFL tool tool. He is going to be the guy with the most arm talent on the field on Saturday. He is Mm -hmm. he is such an alluring sort of mirage of a quarterback because he'll make six great plays and then he'll hold the ball too long and have a strip sack or throw a pick. So in two games this year, he is 47 for 76 for a 61.8 completion percentage, 706 yards or 603 yards passing. Average of seven point nine yards per complete uh, completion, two touchdowns. That's not like horrible, but he also has three interceptions in two games. That's pretty bad. Ooh, he has a hundred. He has that's pretty bad. Yeah, he's one hundred twenty nine point three quarterback rating, which is okay. But he's been sacked nine times. He's run eighteen times this year for thirty negative thirty five yards. He got sacked six times by mm-hmm. Arkansas. Arkansas's defensive line kind of just turned uh, USC's defensive line to mush. He is a guy who, in a world where he could figure out his decision making, would be a first or second round NFL draft pick, right? But we don't currently live in that world. And right now, he's a very talented dude who just holds the ball too long. Does he have the talent to, yeah, to mess somebody up and like weirdly go like LeBron Super Saiyan and just like his hair turns yellow and he passes out and he wakes up and he's won a game? Yeah, sure. He definitely has the talent for that, <laughs> but at this point in his career and at this point in the season, in general, he's just making too many mistakes, man. I, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of just where South Carolina is writ large, player wise, you know, they reading, their leading back is Marshawn Lloyd. He only has fifty three yards on eighteen attempts. They haven't had a lot of success running the ball. They also haven't just like run the ball that much. They their leading receiver has only two hundred forty nine yards. This is a game. This is a team that is. Past competent, right? They're, they're, they're not, we have them at 56th in CBCR2 rating, like middle of the pack. So they're no longer just like an absolute trash fire of a program, but they have some real deficiencies and offensively, like that is one of them. I mean, I'm I, their offense is one of their deficiencies. Like it's not good. I mean, I, I guess I've kind of led us into the, uh, into the quantitative preview at this point. That's okay. Let's do it. Let's talk about the numbers. Yeah. So, our quantitative preview, we just sort of loosely talk about numbers and hard facts and just like general stuff that we think about each team in the matchup. So, you know, Justin, you, you've oh, been out man. The, the last few days. <sighs> and I just, I'm going to treat this as an opportunity mm-hmm. to catch my friend up on sort of where these two teams are coming in. I, okay. Mm-hmm. So, to continue on with South Carolina, South Carolina is, a Like I said, they're 56th in the nation per CBCR2, which is our metric that we use with that's been compiled by Ross Rutledge. Thank you to Ross and all the people on his team, Stephen Shadu and Stephen Joyner and Ryan Moore, as well as myself in some tiny capacity. But they also, you know, th- we have them as just being sort of a dead average team. They're about two points over the average team on average. So they're very close to just, I hate to use this word again, an average team. But they also, if mm-hmm. you kind of look deeper into the numbers, and these are from Robert Binion on ga- at gameonpaper.com, you know, they're 68th in uh, total EPA offensively. They're 68th in, in EPA per play. They're 68th in EPA per game, 71st in success rate, 23rd in starting field position. So I guess they, you know, have a pretty good punter or pretty good kick return game. Uh, but, and so like, You see sort of just an average offense despite the talent infusion, which to be fair to South Carolina is better than it has been. But if then if we look at their defense, man, 83rd in total EPA, uh, 81st in EPA per play, 82nd in EPA per game, 73rd in success rate, right? Those are all pretty bad. What's really awful, and this kind of tips the hand, is that they have... They've defended 77. They defend on average 77 plays a game, which is tied for 119th person in the country. They have to defend a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because when defending the rush, they are awful. Awful. Ooh. They are Ooh. so I like that. bad. So when opponents rush against them, 130th per nation in play and rushing plays per game, because people have already figured out you just run the ball, right? 123rd in the nation in total EPA rushing. Surrendered, 108th in the nation and EPA per play surrendered, 123rd in the nation and EPA per game surrendered, 94th in the nation at success rate surrendered at 42.6. And that leads me into sort of the premise, I think, of my analysis on this game, right? Currently, this year, uh South Carolina is at 0.77 net yards per play, which is, you know, 61st in the nation. They are, you know, compared to UGA as 30, 3.21 net yards per play, which is 11th in the nation. But this is a team that looks in some ways way more competent than it has in the ca- past couple of years. But they have this glaring deficiency. They cannot defend the run. Their defensive line is not good. And they recently just lost, I think last week, they lost two linebackers to ACL injuries for the year. This is a team that is priming itself to have a massive defensive hole. And that kind of leads me to my analysis of UGA. Because... Okay, so let's pause here and let's zoom out to the last two games for UGA. Offensively, UGA mm-hmm. is passing the ball 59.68% of the time. And this is a non-garbage time stats. They are almost 60% of the time they're passing the ball, right? Now, here's the question. Is this a permanent change or if it's not, is it not? Is it Or for the year at least. Is this, is this what this offense is this year or is this just been a victim of the game plan that Kirby has set up, right? And- you know, you can either say, well, Kirby wants to change the offense because he wants to finally modernize it. Or you could say, well, Kirby wants to change the offense because this is just the personnel he has. But it doesn't really matter. The question is, is this a real change or is it just like we thought we could throw the ball to death on both Oregon and Sanford? And I think that this is a...
0: That's a good question. This is yeah. a
1: team. This is a game against USC and a team that we're going to play that is going to answer that question. Because this is a game where anyone who watches tape... Anyone who looks at the stats at which of which Kirby does both will tell you, you can run on this team. So if this is really a bit of changed offense, it will be interesting to see what the pass run splits look like next year or ne- <laughs> next year, geez, next week. Because I think that that 59% of the time run split or pass split is interesting because on the one hand, you know, UGA has is kind of weirdly stacked at pass catcher especially when you get outside of the wide receiver room and it seems like Stetson Bennett is inordinately comfortable and experienced at this point in his career, you know, even his bad game that he had to get Sanford. So quote unquote, he passed for like 65% completion rating and 300 yards and a touchdown and then another touchdown running, right? He, he still had a pretty good game. No, no interceptions. He, he doesn't even to this point in the year have a sort of torn turnover worthy play that should have been an interception or a fumble. I, I saw, I saw, uh, Graham coffee over at doc central posted that. And so like that all leads you to the question of as a coach, is Kirby committed enough to this passing attack to stick to it? Or does he take sort of the obvious way out? Right. And I don't know that there's a correct answer, but I do think that this is going to be an interesting litmus test for the rest of the season, because if you can't run against this team, you can't run against anybody. And I do think we can run against these, this team. I think even more relevantly, oh, yeah. if you don't run against this team, then you just are tipping your hand for what you you want your offense to do. And I'm sure that UGA will run plenty of time. Or will run, you know, we'll have plenty of carries against USC. But like, is it going to be 40% of the time, 50% of the time, 60% of the time? That to me is the real question, and I think it's going to go <coughs> a long way to answering the question of where is UGA's offense. So I guess what you're saying is this game will be
0: sort of indicative of. Whether or not this change we've been seeing in our offensive scheme is a permanent change or it's just game based, is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, because if you were just coming into the game just based on opponent analysis, you would say UGA should just put three tight ends in the game and run inside zone read 30 times because this is not a team that can stop that. And they, I mean, they haven't proven it. I mean, Arkansas. Is a real wamper of a team. They will whomp on you, to quote uh, Spencer Hall over at Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, or <laughs> whoops, the wrong podcast mm-hmm. over whoops. at, oh, oh, got it. Shut down Fullcast. Totally knocked that po- podcast name out of my uh, lips. But anyway, they will whomp on people. They are a big offensive line based team. But even that, ha- having that considered, they absolutely smashed ass against the South Carolina team. I mean, they, I don't know if you got a chance to to watch in this game. I went back and watched like the 30 minute version of it. They just like crushed this South Carolina team on offense. It was not subtle. And there was kind of a certain beauty to its brutality. Against this South Carolina team, Arkansas rushed 65 times for 295 yards, 4.5 yards on average. They scored five rushing touchdowns. They only threw 21 times for 162 yards for one touchdown. (laughs) They this is the Arkansas Jeez. figured out that they were just gonna like run the hell out of the ball and make South Carolina stop it. And they couldn't. And they ran they won 44 to 13. And I mean, honestly, based on the highlights that I watched, I watched like the 30-minute highlight version. This was not even like that competitive. Uh, you know. Jeez. So I don't I don't know, man. I just this is a this is a game and and I don't want to discount South Carolina because South Carolina can always win this game and make us all miserable. But this is a game that our numbers tell us UGA should win by a lot. Our numbers have Yeah. You know, the line is uh UGA by 24 and a half. CBCR2 Sam predicts Georgia to beat South Carolina 45 to 8. Which would be way over the line, like a 30 something point win. And this is a this is a team that UGA should crush. I mean, If we look at the 24-7 talent composite index or whatever, which is not, to be fair, is not the only metric that matters about uh, when it comes to how good a football team is, but it is just kind of a a metric for how talented a football team is. So per the 24-7 talent composite this year, this is not the only metric for how good a team is. But for instance, Oregon was seventh in the twenty-four-seven talent composite on in twenty twenty-two, and South Carolina is twenty-first, which is good, right? I mean, they have three five stars on this team. That's pretty they, good. Twenty-one four stars on this team. It, it's it's a good it's a good team by you know most metrics, but it is also not a team that is in the same ballpark as even Oregon in terms of pure talent. Now that doesn't mean that South Carolina can't win this game, but It is interesting to me, at least, to think about what that says about the state of the sport, about where UGA is in it and where its opponents are. UGA is going to be favored by a lot against its entire schedule until it loses. And this is a game that, by pretty much any metric I can find, UGA should win running away. And I've been trying to find a thing. What can South Carolina do to win this game? And other than Spencer Rattler just absolutely balls out in a way that Georgia cannot predict. I can't find one. Now, that's totally possible. But I I think this is another game. And it's weird to say this because this is the place that Georgia is in the sport. This is another game where Georgia could probably win by a lot. And we would really be thinking more about, well, what does this say about the offensive line rotation? right? Because Georgia doesn't have two settled spots at the guard. They don't have two guys at guard that they seem like they're content with. They played nine players against Sanford on the offensive line and nine players against Oregon, right? And that's an interesting question. We can definitely talk about that, but it is just wild that we are at a place against an SEC opponent and an SEC East opponent that one of, it may be that one of the biggest storylines coming out of this game is, you know, how are we tuning up this roster to move through the rest of the season? Not. Oh, we just beat an sec opponent who has ripped our hearts out a couple of times, and mm-hmm. I'm not complaining about that. It's good to be the king, but also I, I just am. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I have a sort of sense of unreality about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. It's it doesn't doesn't feel real yet. That's okay. It probably won't. Such is the Georgia way, mm-hmm. <laughs> for quite some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and
1: I mean. The only other question I have at this game coming into the quantitative preview, and this is really, I guess, probably more of a qualitative thing, but it kind of spuds straddles the line. But I do actually have some questions about this offense in terms of personnel. I think it's clear that Kirby mm-hmm. is not satisfied with how this line has it with having the right five guys in the right five spots. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that at least based on my untrained eye, it seems clear that Tate Radledge is not comfortable out there yet, which is fine. But there Mm -hmm. is a sort of rotating cast of linemen five through eight that seem to be getting a lot of work in that right and left guard spot. Devin Willick, Xavier Truss, even Amarius Mims has been kind of rotating around. Warren McClendon's been rotating around. Who's the starting left tackle? He's played right tackle. He's played left tackle. So it's it's clear to me that that is not settled yet. UGA has not ran the ball with incredible success. I mean, they've been fine at running the ball so far this year, but. It, you haven't seen any of the sort of vintage UGA smashes or Georgia smashes face games yet in terms of the rush game. But I don't know that that matters too much because of how this offense is constructed. to one, and B, again, I come back to the fact that it's pretty amazing that Georgia was at times treating Oregon as a scrimmage where they just like rotated a bunch of offensive linemen to see who was the right guy, right? Yeah. We played the same number of offensive linemen That's in the wild. Oregon game as we did in the Stanford game. Now, I think there are mm-hmm. some questions. You know, I, I read a very good, not to give him a second unpaid plug, but I was reading something at Dog Central that Graham Coffey wrote about how it I, I'm not gonna spoil everything he wrote because you should just pay the man and go and read his his writings, but basically how there are certain offensive linemen on the line that are more comfortable with some schemes over others, and how like this is it seems like Kirby and Munkin want to run this more as a gap scheme team as opposed to his own scheme team, which I think is really interesting. But whatever the answer ends up being it seems that it's very unsettled in the run game now in terms of the passing game you know i don't know UJ it's not that uga has anything to prove but i think that every new point of data that we have that shows that this is just an a an incredibly efficient incredibly hard to stop and contain passing offense the more we will the more data we will have to answer that big question of whether or not this change is, is is for real i mean at this point uga i think is averaging the second most pass yards per game in the nation and their mm-hmm. passing their passing percentage is like in the top 15 of the nation so yeah i again i have a little bit of weirdness i feel a little bit weird emotionally not to get back to the qualitative stuff to think about how this is a game where I'm really interested in what does it tell us about UGA more than I am in will UGA win the game? Because I think this is a game that if I had to like put a prediction on how it will go, I think this is a game where South Carolina will probably have a couple of high energy plays that will get the crowd riled up in the first quarter. And it will be close within reason, you know, seven to ten point game through the first and second quarter. And then Spitzer Rattler will make a key mistake, you know. Even if there is some success in the game is, you know, relatively sort of back and forth. And that key mistake, much like what happened against Florida last year, will sort of le- lead to a deluge of UGA points. I think those key mistakes mm-hmm. might come, might be more about like, you know, Spencer Rattler turns it over and then somebody blows a, an assignment on on South Carolina's defense. But I do think that this could kind of feel similar to the Florida game from last year where. You know, we're up by seven, but nobody's really comfortable. And then you go to the bathroom and you come back and we're up by like 21. Right. So that is, that's how I think this is going to go, because this is a team that if Georgia has, if Georgia has any, any aspirations to go to the the national championship this year or to the CFP, even you should paste this team. So now that I've, now that I've sort of brought you back in, what, what do you think about this game? What's your prediction? What I'd like to see, I guess,
0: and I can lead into from there my prediction of the game, I guess. But I'm I, i I'm excited about this game because we have traditionally in past years, I feel, we open the season a little slower than we want to. Um, and the first couple of games are not usually indicative of how the rest of the season will go. However, we played against Oregon in a way that I don't think I've... As long as I've been a fan, seeing Georgia open a season—that's very exciting to me. Um, I think that is it it, for the first time. It is indicative of how the rest of the season will go. If we can do that against Oregon and then play relatively conservatively by the stats against this Sanford team and shut them out, despite them—they're still an FCS team. I—it's hard for me to imagine this game ever being in a place where we are uncertain of the conclusion of it meaning i'm pretty sure that georgia has to win this game pretty convincingly i don't know you know it's you know there's the part of me that watched so many games last weekend like the the alabama game against texas and who else like kentucky florida game and just thinking like i guess this is team chaos this year but i'm gonna knock on wood I don't think Team Chaos comes for Georgia this regular season. It just doesn't make sense based on just watching the play. And if it did, I don't know where it would hit the team most. And so I do think this is a pretty convincing win. Um I think Georgia just runs all over them. And I, I hope that we continue to pass the ball the way that we are kind of predicting that to be the case. I would say this looks like I don't know, maybe a 42-10 win. Georgia?
1: Dang, man. What about you? <sighs> you're, you're gassing me up. I think that <laughs> this team has a quarterback that will run you the highs and the lows. It, th- that is South Carolina, that is. I think they, they have a quarterback that will that shows you the agony and the ecstasy and recently it's been way more agony and the ecstasy. But having said that, is Spencer Radler better than Bo Nix? Probably, right? He's a very different quarterback. He's way less mobile, smaller for one. But I I don't know that this is going to be a shutout. And I also think that this is going to be a game where like UJ gives up a couple of touchdowns. So, But I, on the other hand, I think this also might be a game where UJ kind of pours it on. Not because Kirby Smart doesn't mm-hmm. like Shane Beamer or anything, but just because, you know, you get a couple of turnovers. They can. I, I, I just don't see... If Kirby Smart will hang forty nine on Dan Landing to prove a point, I don't see him going soft on Shane Beamer. A guy, you know, Dan Landing was like Kirby Smart's boy. He was Kirby Smart's minty. He was the guy that he was like one of the first guys that was fully on Kirby Smart's tree, and he hang, and he hung almost a fifty burger on him. And I don't yeah. think that there's anything based on that performance that makes me say that you think that UGA will take off the gas, take his foot off the gas, like. Kirby Smart and Chris Hatcher like go way back. Chris Hatcher, the guy who was the the coach at Sanford, gave Kirby Smart what his first dodge at Valdosta State. Him and you know Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp and Chris Hatcher and Todd Munkin and Buster Faulkner, who is the, uh, the off-field quarterback's coach. They were they all go way, way back. They have all these like crazy South Florida ties and stuff. So like UGA was never gonna just like drop 60 on Sanford because it could. And even on a very sloppy game, and I know we didn't make a Sanford review episode, but it because it was Sanford. But mm-hmm. even at a very sloppy game, UGA probably could have had I don't know two or three more touchdowns if they really wanted them, but they didn't because that was just how those you know those dudes are. Uh, but I don't think that I, I really don't think Shane Beamer is going to get the same treatment. One because this is an SEC game and it counts. Two because this is a game in a super hostile environment and you know don't get it twisted Mm -hmm. south carolina has as good a hostile environment as anybody that isn't you know florida georgia what you know in that auburn in that echelon of hostile uh, lsu obviously in that echelon of us of hostile environments if you go the next tier down south Carolina is definitely in it it is a loud hard place to play their fans will be there they will be drunk hammered at like 10 30 in the morning on bush light or whatever and so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that all leads me to think that even though USC is going to score some that Kirby is not going to take his foot off the gas because he doesn't want the, the crowd to get in it. So finally that all is an all, all is a long way of me saying this to me feels like we, we, we drop a 50 spot on him. I think this is like a 52 to 20 game. I think it's an easy cover that seems a little bit closer before it really breaks. And when it breaks, I think it's going to break hard because you know, having the 21st best team on the 24 seven talent composite tells me that this is probably a team that can run with UGA for like a quarter. And then we start to get into depth because it is just as hot for South Carolina's players as it is for UGA's. And you know, when you, when, if you put Georgia in a position where it can battle you just in terms of it, the macro level of how well prepared is, uh, is the team, how talented is the team they're going to win every time. Right. And, So, yeah, I think this is kind of a cakewalk at the end of the day that's going to feel at times pretty close.
0: Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, man. Feels good. So before we actually leave tonight, do you want to talk a little bit about what else is going on around the league? What are some funny things that uh, maybe our, you know, uh, Ross's regressive model is showing us uh, that might be exciting that you want to share a little bit of?
1: So uh, this is a new segment. This is a podcast from the podcast to steal something from a Bim Bam that I like to call mm-hmm. Ross Rutledge's Picks of the Century of the Week. <clears throat> so <laughs> first, uh, most shockingly, just to like, save the, the, the best for first, we have Fresno plus 12 over USC. We actually have Fresno State beating USC mm. by about three points. Now, I know that's going to shock. The real USC. Yes the University of Southern California. Now, the reason there's a couple of reasons for this. One, uh USC has is very bad at defending the run. Two, Fresno State has a very good, efficient and explosive quarterback that has been very good at converting those points per opportunity. And three, and I cannot emphasize this enough, USC is very bad on defense. And some of those de- uh some of those defensive deficiencies have kind of been covered up by the fact that they have a they have a Lincoln Riley offense that's going to score them 40 points per game. But I think with Jake Hayner on Fresno, I think that CBCR Sam is seeing this as a game that Fresno can win. In the sec, we have a couple of home dogs that we're picking. We have LSU by 2.2 points over Mississippi state, which beats the spread and also is a straight up win. I don't know that I agree with that so much, but I think you could convince me that it's conceivable just because LSU is still a very LSU is a very talented team. Whether or not they're playing well right now is a separate question. They're not, but they still have a lot of talent and they, and they, and they showed some flashes and if they can get their quarterback room, right, I can see it happening. We also have Auburn by Mm -hmm. uh, half a point over Penn state. Auburn is a home dog to Penn state and you know, things are not good in the Auburn world, but I would say two things. If you've watched any of Penn state's game, I watched Penn state Purdue a couple of weeks or last week. uh, Penn state doesn't tackle well. They're not, they're defensively, they, they don't, they, that ain't it cheap. And Auburn still has some, <laughs> some guys that are SEC guys, uh, offensively. I, I think in particular, this might be a game where Tank Billingsley just sort of has one of his, I I don't think he's going to be Jeep Smallsby if, or car Smallsby or Jeep Mediumsby. I think he might, this might be a, <laughs> a Tank Billingsley game where he just like full on. We can't all be. Yeah. I think he, I think he has a big day. This might be like uh aircraft character massively or whatever aircraft carrier massively is his final form it's like when he goes <laughs> anyway uh we also like this and then finally in our first official have faith in the numbers dear god why is this happening to me we also have uh texas a&m mm-hmm. by three points over miami now a couple of reasons this will be hilarious okay one it gives app state a transitive win over over miami which is hilarious and you know all hail our <laughs> mountaineer or our mountaineer overlords and two uh this would be probably the most against the grain pick that we've ever made. And if it if it if it's correct, then I will I will be very happy. So those are our Ross Rutledge's <laughs> picks of the century of the week. Thank you, Ross. What a beautiful
0: time we've had. Yeah. We talked football, mm-hmm. we talked feelings, mm-hmm. we talked Cox. Mm-hmm.
1: Would uh would you like to see us out tonight, Nathan? I would love to. This has been Chapel Belcroft. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else that you can subscribe to a podcast, including Spotify. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Chapel Bell Curve. If you'd like to support this podcast, feel free to give us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you leave your wherever you would leave a review for a podcast, whether it's your podcast app or you know whispering it into your spouse's ear at 3 a.m. or... You know, do that on a crowded subway over the awkward silence that that falls in the car or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whether it's just sort of like etching it in in sort of stone tablet form in the, you know, in in a Bucky's bathroom in Texas somewhere, whatever. We'll take any kind of we can get if you really, really loved what you heard today and you'd like to support us in a way that is, you know, non vandalizing. uh, We would love it if you would check us out over at Patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve. As little as $1 a month helps you support the program and also gives you access to what we think is the best college football community in the world. And yeah, maybe we're biased, but I I really do believe that. We have an amazing Discord full of amazing people who are ready to talk to you about college football, other sports, and pretty much any weird thing you can think of, they they get up to it on this Mm -hmm, Discord. mm -hmm. So we, we would love to have you out. If you would like to see us going forward, you can find me usually with the the redcoats and you can find Justin sort of bopping around uh, Athens at any given yeah. time. Uh, I'm not going to this game, but, true. you know, theoretically, and you will catch us in the, in, I guess the classic city this weekend. And then going forward, we'll see. But until then parts unknown, parts unknown. Yeah. Go, dog. Go dogs.